Welcome to Living Beyond the Book, the show where we help writers move beyond fear, overwhelm, and unhealthy habits into a consistent and productive creative lifestyle. Your host, Emma Boone, is an author, publisher, mom, yoga enthusiast, and recovering blocked writer. She's here to help you unlock your creative potential. Now let's talk Living Beyond the Book. Hello and welcome. Last week's episode, we talked about how having some structure in your creative life can actually make you more creative instead of inhibiting you like a lot of people believe. Uh, We talked about a few ways to get started if you're struggling to find momentum and how um, creating some structure can give you more energy and more momentum to move forward. So all good things. This week, I want to start a mini series talking about messy mapping. We'll we'll get into that a bit, but I want to spend December helping you get yourself ready so you can hit the ground running with your writing goals in January. December is a time when most people relax and take time to reset, which is incredibly important, and I hope you're doing that. But also with minimal effort, you can also keep your momentum going so you're ready to start strong right out of the gate in January with your new book ideas. So taking time to relax, but also mapping, I think, is a really fun process. So I think that can be part of your holiday cheer as well. So the next few weeks, we're going to talk about different components of messy mapping. And that is um, that connects with our topic from last week, which was having structure in your life. And this is having structure within your story. I think a lot of times writers either don't plot at all or they spend so much time plotting that they they get bogged down by planning and never actually get to the writing. Outlining and plotting and researching are important, but they can also be procrastination tools because, let's be honest, who doesn't find it easier to just read one more article about Victorian-era manners or go down a Wikipedia rabbit hole of science fiction projects gone wrong? That's always more fun and easier than actually doing the writing. But if we have a plan, it makes it easier to get into the actual writing and get started and make progress on your own story. As I mentioned, I call it messy mapping because it shouldn't be stressful or overwhelming or suck all the joy out of your writing. I believe that there's a creative energy that comes from just from the pantsing aspect where you just let your creativity flow and take events as they come and let them surprise you. But if we have a general sense of direction, it's always easier to get started and keep going. So over the next few weeks, as I mentioned, I'm going to talk about specific components within the messy mapping framework that I use that I have found very helpful in getting a lot of words down quickly and creating books that have some kind of structure to them instead of the books that I wrote early on where I didn't know where I was going and they were a hot mess and I spent hours and weeks and months and years revising those instead of moving on to other projects. So messy mapping includes what I believe are the basic details you need to get started writing a really strong story. They are know your premise, know your conflict, know your guideposts, and know your characters. And those might seem like big topics and a little overwhelming, so I'm going to break each one of them down. This week, we're going to talk about knowing your premise, which is always a really fun part of writing, I believe. Um, Who doesn't love the premise of a good story? Whether it's a movie or a book or gossip from a friend, we love the idea of a good story, and that's what initially hooks us. Um, 
if you were a journalist, it would be the who, what, where, when, why, and how of your story. It's the strong headline, the components that make you excited to click and read. Um, I've heard about a couple of premises lately that had me excited just from the very few details I learned. So here are a couple examples. Okay, the first one, this week I saw the cover for The Ravens by Cass Morgan and Danielle Page. It's a great cover, so I looked up the synopsis, and here's a condensed version. It says, at first glance, the sisters of ultra-exclusive Kappa Rho Nu, The Ravens, seem like typical sorority girls, ambitious, beautiful, and smart. They're the most powerful girls on campus. But The Ravens aren't just regular sorority girls. They're witches. When a dark power rises on campus, the girls will have to put their rivalry aside to save their fellow sisters. Someone has discovered the Raven's secret, and that someone will do anything to see those witches burn. How cool is that? Um, The idea of college sorority girls as witches had me so excited without even knowing anything else about the plot. I I know the who, what, where, when, and why, and I want to read the book so I know the how. Well, maybe I don't know the why, but the why and the how are what I get to from reading the book, and that's what has me hooked. I want to read more. Um, the other was from a, a publisher's marketplace announcement. Rose Lerner's The Wife in the Attic pitched as a gothic historical novel and queer Jane Eyre retelling in which the governess falls in love with the wife in the attic, and together they wreak fiery vengeance on the tyrannical master of the house. I love Jane Eyre. I always have. I am unapologetically in love with that story. But I think even those of us who are purists have always wondered, hey, what the F, dude? What's with you locking your wife in the attic instead of giving her the help she needs? So I haven't read this book, but I love the idea of a girl power spin on Jane Eyre where the girls take charge of their futures instead of waiting for Mr. Rochester Mr. Rochester to call all the shots. So these are examples of your story's premise. It's just the basic idea of what the hook is and what readers can expect and be excited about. If you're struggling with your own premise, John Truby's book, The Anatomy of Story, calls it the simplest combination of character and plot and typically consists of some event that starts the action. When this is polished, it will be what gets readers excited about your story. For now, it's the ideas that get you excited about your story. What is the simplest way you can describe the character, the plot, and what starts the action? We'll talk about this in more detail when we talk about guideposts. But one example I like to use is my husband took an improv class uh, where they had to build a story. So one person would start the story, and then the next person gave the next component, and then the next person built on that. And three of the tips were once upon a time, every day, but then one day. So I love that because once upon a time, every day establishes the status quo of your character. That's where they are when the story starts. But then one day, and that's the action that pushes them into the plot of the story. These are the perfect place to start because it doesn't have to be intense or even remarkably clever at this point, but it gives you an idea of the voice and genre and everything else that will kick off your story. And speaking of genre, let's take a little detour for a second and talk about the genre. I think most people tend to have an idea of genre when they get the story idea, but if not, it needs to be part of your exploration of premise. So 
Genre is one of the structures that really helps your creativity. It narrows your options on what you can do in a story, which helps you focus where you're going. So it doesn't, we don't think of genre constraints as restrictive. We think of them as giving us the guidelines for where our story will fit and what readers will expect to see. Uh, For example, you probably can't add killer robot bots if you want to write a romance novel, but you can certainly write a science fiction novel about killer robots and add elements of romance. Uh, Romance novels have certain expectations or tropes, and those are a good thing because they show readers of those genres what they want to see. So they give you parameters to work with that that can make your writing clearer and help you know where you're going. There are a lot of genre crossovers, which are super fun, and and if that's what you're going for, great. But more often than not, picking a genre will help you narrow in on your story. I think most of us have read The Hunger Games, and I like uh, that example because Suzanne Collins says the idea for The Hunger Games came to her one night while she was flipping through channels. And one channel, see, she saw people competing for a prize, and then on the other channel, she saw the footage from the Iraq War. And she said the two combined in an unsettling way and sparked the idea for the series. Adding to that, she drew inspiration from the Greek myth of Athens sacrificing their own children and the Roman gladiator games and added to that contemporary reality TV. So you can see how many cool elements are in her premise and together they were the seeds of the idea. She brought them together in really cool ways as we've all seen in the series. I think brainstorming for 20 minutes is a lot of fun at this point. If you know you have a character you want to play around with or you have a basic idea of what you want to do with your story, you can ask all kinds of questions. Um, For example, what if she were attacked by monsters? What if she had a proposal but didn't love someone back? Or what if she didn't love them but she needed the financial stability he offered? Or what if she were the monster? Just by asking all of these questions, you can write down every idea. There's no bad idea. You can just see what works for the kind of story that you want to write. Um, One example that I love of this is the Lunar Chronicles series by Marissa Meyer. Her premise of the first book, Cinder, is basically Cinderella meets cyborgs. In the description on Amazon, it says, Cinder is a Cinderella retelling that is at once classic and strikingly original. And Entertainment Weekly says, an interesting mashup of fairy tales and science fiction across between Cinderella, Terminator, and Star Wars. That's a crazy and brilliant premise, right? So how did she get to that point? Um, I, I actually Googled this, and from Marissa Meyer's website, her frequently asked questions, she said, I entered a writing contest a few years ago in which the host had listed about 10 random prompts and writers had to choose two of them to include in their stories. The two prompts I chose, set the story in the future and include a fairy tale character. My contest entry was a sci-fi version of Puss in Boots, and I had so much fun writing it that I thought I would try to do an entire series of science fiction fairy tales. So I started to brainstorm what futuristic twists I could give to some of my favorite fairy tales. A couple months later, I was drifting off to sleep when the lightning bolt struck. Cinderella as a cyborg. My head instantly filled with all sorts of ideas, and I had to crawl out of bed and and start taking notes. The idea would, of course, go on to become Cinder and the Last Kronk. Chronicles. So I love this idea for a couple reasons. One, because it didn't come to her all at once. It was that she kept teasing these ideas out and seeing how they could mash together. She knew what two components she wanted, but she didn't know exactly how they would work together until she played with it for a while. 
And also, second, imagine all the fun questions she asked herself to get there. Once you have a premise, the story will fall into place a whole lot easier than if you don't take time to flesh out a few of the details. She knew she wanted science fiction. She knew she wanted fairy tales. And that's a huge, both of those are are huge areas to play with. And so asking herself all the questions is what was made it possible for her to drill down to Cinderella as a cyborg. Um, so ask yourself a lot of questions. Try out different paragraphs about what the story could be. Brainstorm and dot, jot down anything that comes to mind. Just have fun with it. I think brainstorming and coming up with a premise is one of the most fun parts of the process. It's that spark of energy and excitement when you have a new idea. And this is where you really get to play around with that. One thing I recommend that I know most writers hate is at this point, I write three things. The pitch, um, which is what we're talking about right now, the pitch or premise of your story, the query, and the synopsis. So the query, if you don't know, is basically a one-page letter that you send to literary agents or publishers to get them excited enough about your book to want to represent or publish it. So if you're planning to be traditionally published, it's a huge part of what you'll need to do later on. And the synopsis is also something that most agents or publishers will ask for. And it's a little bit longer. It's a summary of your story's main plot, subplots, and the ending. So you're giving them details about the full story. Where the premise and the query pull out exciting parts, the synopsis is an overview of your entire story. And the reason I do this is because when I pitched my first book to an agent and she took it on, um, I wanted to do a series. So she had me write out a summary for the whole series and for each book in that series. And it's not something I would have done on my own, but it helped me so much writing the subsequent books because I already knew where I was going with it. I didn't have to make everything up from scratch. We'll talk about queries and synopses in more detail at a later episode, but you can Google them and find tons of information and resources about writing them. I know most of the time these are done after the book is written, but just hear me out. Many authors hate doing them and complaining about and complain about doing them. But if you're going to query your book to agents anyway, then they're hugely helpful to have up front for several reasons. The first is you're forcing yourself to come up with them so you have a really good idea of where your story is going. Um, I love the quote, writing is thinking. To write well is to think clearly. That's why it's so hard by David McCullough. And um, Stephen King says basically the same thing. I write to find out what I think. So how many times have you sat down to write and you don't know where you're going until your fingers are actually typing or you're, you have a pen and paper and you're writing down the ideas? That's when things really come together in your mind because you're actively working to think through them and put them together. So I think writing them down at this stage is hugely helpful. A lot of times when we start, we just have a vague idea that sounds fun, but we don't have the foundation. It needs to be a full book. And writing and thinking through that process uh, out up front is a huge time saver and helper in the long run. The second reason that they're really helpful is they're done when you need them. You simply tweak them to encompass whatever changes you've made in the plot along the way. So it helps you at the beginning of the writing process, and it helps you at the end of the writing process. I promise your future author self will thank you if those are already ready to go and you just have to polish those. If you know your simplest combination of character and plot and the event that starts the action of the story, it's easy to put the rest into place because you're not fumbling to figure out as you go. The premise doesn't need to be complicated. They 
they can be simple. Here are a few I like to point out as examples. I found these online, so I'm just going to read them and I want you to listen and see, see if you know what they are based on the premise. First, a 17-year-old aristocrat falls in love with a kind but poor artist aboard the luxurious, ill-fated Titanic. Pretty easy, right? That's the Titanic. So the premise is just that a 17-year-old aristocrat falls in love and we know it's ill-fated. So there's just a little teaser. It's just a hook. Okay, second one. In a post-apocalyptic world, a family is forced to live in silence while hiding from monsters with ultra-sensitive hearing. Do you know what that one is? Okay, it's a quiet place. Okay, last one. A troubled child summons the courage to help a friendly alien escape Earth and return to his home world. E.T., right? So hopefully you got those. Uh, those are some examples of some more common ones that you might be familiar with. And you recognize them because they're unique and succinct and grab your attention with specific elements. They're not vague or trying to dig too deep into themes or character arcs at this point. They simply include the basic elements and a bit of the conflict to make the premise grab your attention. And that's what you're trying to do too. From these examples, you can see how simple a premise can be. They're vivid hooks that immediately bring to mind the ideas in the book or a movie, and they give a good hint at the genre. They get us excited to read and watch them, and they give us, as writers, a compass to where we want to go with our own story. So I think a lot of the time we can feel what, what we want to convey with our story from the premise, and then we know what mood our book will be. We know what genre it will be. We know so many things just by, by figuring out that premise. In addition to the premise, if you decide to be really ambitious and brave and add the query and synopsis, then you have the entire book laid out in front of you. It's easy to see which parts have the right energy behind them and where plot holes can be ironed out. It's not quite the full-blown, I like to compare it to a forest fire of your book. You have all the ideas, but it's a flicker of possibility and anticipation and wonder. And it's the thing that's going to keep you excited and drive you through the rest of the book. So this week, I'd love for you to try fine-tuning a premise you've been excited about. Use lots of questions and make it come to life. It will help your story in the long run. Again, I will give you the quote from The Anatomy of Story. The simplest combination of character and plot and typically consists of some event that starts the action. So again, from the simplified, super, super simple improv rules, once upon a time, every day, but then one day. So who the character is, the basic element of the plot, and what the catalyst was for this event. I hope that you can find a way to incorporate that into your own idea. Um, and like I said, try it this week. See what happens. Take it as a little piece of homework. Spend half an hour on it. It doesn't have to be complicated. And just see what happens. Uh, anyway, I hope you find something helpful in this episode next week. Join us as we talk about the next part of messy mapping, which is mapping out great conflict. Um, thanks for joining me today. And I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Living Beyond the Book. Make sure to visit our website, livingbeyondthebook.com, where you can find show notes and connect with us outside the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll automatically get new shows every week. And we'd also really love it if you left a review. 
Now go write those stories and don't forget to take care of yourself beyond the book. 